I love my mom. I love my mother. This fall, Lord willing, we will celebrate 83 years of her life, her 83rd birthday. And in less than a month, I'm going to be able to celebrate that she has been my mom for 59 years. From the earliest time that I can remember, my mom has been my biggest cheerleader. My mom has been my biggest prayer warrior. My mom has been my number one fan. When I felt like a failure, when I felt like I couldn't do something, my mom was there to tell me, yes, you can. She was there to tell me, you can change the world. That's why this season of life is it's kind of difficult. I mean, as I see my mom and dad's health begin to fail, it's tough. As I see them experience pain as they walk and as they move, I want to take that pain away. As I have conversations with them and, and I recognize that they are getting confused as we talk together, I want to take that confusion out of their mind. But I understand that apart from a miracle, apart from God intervening, that's not going to happen. That's just a part of the cycle of life, isn't it? We all get older, our health begins to fail. If we live long enough, our mind begins to go, our memory begins to fail. That, that happens in life. And it's happening with my mom and dad right now. Regardless of how I want to change it, I can't. And so that causes me to ask questions. As my parents are getting older... As their health is getting worse, how can I express love and how can I express care to them like they have expressed love and care for me throughout my entire life? I mean, let's be honest. We are living in a culture today that doesn't do that. We're living in a culture today where we see older people, older parents, as more of an inconvenience rather than a responsibility. We see older parents as a burden upon us rather than a blessing. But it shouldn't be that way. You see, as followers of Jesus, we have a responsibility to care for our parents, regardless of how old they are, regardless of how healthy they are. You see, our responsibility to our parents doesn't end when we move out of the house. It just changes, but our responsibility to them continues. And that really came into focus this past week. As I said, my mom and dad's health is getting worse, and, and my dad, who is my hero, who I feel like is one of the most intelligent men I've ever known, his memory is getting worse and worse. And we're getting to that point where we're, we're having to begin to evaluate what's next. What is best for mom and dad and, and their health? Can they live at home by themselves and, and take care of themselves? Do they need to move in with Sherry and I? Or do they need to move in with my brother and, and his family? Or should they go into a home that they choose, some kind of assisted living? And, and we're working through that process. 
trying to figure out how can we express love, how can we express care, how can we express this, this unconditional love to parents who have unconditionally loved us. And that's why the words that Jesus spoke on the cross that we're going to look at today are so important. Because this third phrase that Jesus speaks reveals an incredible truth to us. It reveals to us that even in his agony, even in the midst of terrible suffering, Jesus was thinking about his mother. He was carrying the weight of humanity's sin upon himself, and yet he took the time to make sure that his mother would be cared for. Did you get that? Jesus was on the cross, dying for us. And yet, in a moment of pain, he spoke from the cross words to make sure that his mom would be cared for because he loved her. And so, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 19, verse 25. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry, the word's going to be on the screen. But in John 19, verse 25, we see Jesus uttering this, this third statement from the cross. The first two statements dealt with how Jesus wants to forgive all of us, regardless of what we've done, regardless of how far we have fallen out of his will. He wants to forgive us. Jesus prayed from the cross over and over, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The people who had beat him, the people who had mocked him, the people who had falsely accused him, he wanted them forgiven. And so you better believe he wants you to experience the forgiveness of God. And, and we discovered through that thief on the cross and the exchange that Jesus had with that thief on the cross that it doesn't matter what we've done. We can experience the forgiveness and the grace of God if we'll only humble ourselves, acknowledge our sin, and cry out to Jesus. But the words we're going to look at today, they show us Jesus' compassion. They show us his humanity. And they set an example for us. I want you to listen to what it says beginning in verse 25 of John 19. It says, standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, his disciple took her into his home. Now don't miss those words. Standing near the cross was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Can you imagine? Here is Mary, Jesus' mother, standing at the foot of the cross. She had carried him in her womb for nine months. She had fed him on her breast. She had played with him when he was a young child. And now he was hanging on the cross. Here she was. At the foot of the cross, looking at his mangled body, looking into his unrecognizable face. Can you imagine what she was thinking? She was experiencing something that no mother should ever have to go through. The death of a child. 
There are some of you here this morning who have experienced that. And you know the pain. You know the anguish that you go through as you look at your child and you you realize this is not the way it's supposed to be. This is not the way it should be. And yet it happens. And here's Mary at the foot of the cross. And here's her son up on that cross, bruised and beaten and bloody. And he's dying. And he's dying for my sins and he's dying for your sins. And I imagine as Mary was there at the foot of the cross, her mind began to race back over 33 years. I imagine she, she was remembering that encounter she had with Gabriel, the angel, when Gabriel told her, even though you're a virgin, you're going to give birth and you're going to name this baby Jesus and he will be the son of the Most High God and his kingdom will never end. And you know what Mary said? She said, I am the Lord's servant. But here she is right now at the foot of the cross. And there's her son hanging on the cross whose kingdom is never going to end, but he's hanging on the cross dying. I imagine her mind raced back to nine months later when she gave birth to Jesus. And she had to place him in a feeding trough because there were no rooms in Bethlehem where they had gone to register. And the shepherds came and they bowed down and they worshiped before Jesus. They probably told her what the angel said, that that this child is the Savior. He's Christ the Lord. He will bring salvation to all who will call on Him. The Bible says that Mary pondered those words in her heart. I imagine she remembered back a, a couple days later when they went to the temple for the purification ceremony. And there was a prophet there named Simeon. And Simeon the prophet, when he saw Jesus, shared how because of Jesus, there would be many who would turn away, but some would turn to God. And then Simeon said this, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. That's what he said to Mary. And here is Jesus hanging on the cross. And I imagine she thought, that sword It's pierced my soul. The Bible tells us that every Passover, um, Joseph and Mary would take Jesus and their family to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went as they did every year. And, And when they got through celebrating Passover, they got with the crowd and started heading back to their hometown. They didn't recognize that Jesus wasn't with them. And when they discovered their 12-year-old boy wasn't there, they began to look for him. They went back to Jerusalem. They found him in the temple. And here was Jesus, this 12-year-old boy, discussing biblical truth with these religious leaders. And the Bible says that they were amazed at the spiritual truths of Jesus. Mary and Joseph were flabbergasted because they were worried about their son and they found him in the temple and they said to Jesus, what have you done? Wouldn't you have known that we were going to be looking for you? And Jesus said this to his mom and dad. He said, didn't you know that I would have to be about my father's business? The Bible says they didn't understand what Jesus was saying. But they went back home, and we are told that from that time on, Jesus lived in obedience to his mother 
and his father. Jesus followed him. Then Jesus grew up. He started his earthly ministry, and because of some of the things that he was saying, there were people that thought he was crazy. They thought he was mad. And so one day, Jesus' mother and his brothers came to talk to Jesus, and, and they came into the room where Jesus was teaching and said, your mother, your, fa- your brothers are outside wanting to talk to you. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? My mother, my brothers are those who do the will of the Father. You're my mother and my brothers. Can you imagine how that made Mary feel? And now she's here. Standing at the foot of the cross watching her son die. Beside her is her sister. Beside her is Mary Magdalene that's whose life was changed by Jesus. And and then standing next to them, the Bible says, was the disciple whom Jesus loved, John. You may wonder, why, why does it say that? Why does it say the disciple whom Jesus loved? Did Jesus have favorites? The answer is yeah. Yeah. Jesus had favorites. Jesus was human. Jesus, out of all of the people in the world, chose 12 men to be his disciples. 12 out of everybody. Out of those 12 disciples, Jesus chose three men who would be able to experience some things that no other disciple experienced. Three. And out of those three, there was one disciple that was extremely close to Jesus. John. Now, does Jesus love us all? Yes. But when Jesus was here on earth in the flesh, he had a close relationship with John. He could trust John. He could depend upon John. He could lean on John. And here's John standing beside his mother as he's up on the cross dying. And Jesus utters these words as he looks at his mother and as he looks at John. I I imagine he looked at Mary and then he looked at John. And as he looked at Mary, he said, woman, this is your son looking at John. And then he said to John, this is your mother. Now, why did Jesus say that? I believe two reasons. The first reason isn't on your note sheet, but it's important. Jesus did that to fulfill all righteousness. You see, Jesus fulfilled all the requirements of the law. You can't do that. I can't do that. We're sinners. We're flawed. We failed. We've messed up, but not Jesus. Jesus perfectly fulfilled every requirement of the law. That's why he was able to die on the cross. That's why he was able to pay for my sins and to pay for your sins, because he was sinless. See, the Bible commands us to honor our parents, and even in death, he was honoring his parents. But I believe more than that, Jesus did this to set an example for us. You see, each of us have a responsibility to honor and care for our family, regardless of who we are Regardless of how old our family, our parents may be, we have a responsibility to care for them. The fifth commandment says it this way, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land your Lord, your God has given you. This is a big deal. This is one of the top ten commandments. 
God is saying regardless of who you are, you have a responsibility to honor and care for your parents. Now here's what some of you are saying, but Rocky, you don't know my parents. You don't know what they've done. You don't know how they've acted. And you're right, I don't know. But I don't see in here that God says honor your parents unless they were jerks. It just says honor your parents, period. You see, what you need to understand is there are no perfect parents. We're all sinners. We're all flawed. We all fail. We all mess up. Each and every one of us. Before I had kids, I had this mental list of things that my parents did that I wasn't going to do. And things that my parents didn't do that I was going to do. And then I had kids. Kid number one, kid number two, kid number three, kid number four. And all of a sudden I began to realize, wow, my parents did a pretty good job. Especially in light of what they had to work with, me. I mean, you need to understand that there are no perfect parents. And maybe your parents have messed up. Maybe they've blown it. Maybe they've hurt your feelings. Maybe your parent abandoned you. And I can't imagine the pain you have had through that. But I can tell you this, you need to get over it and you need to move on and you need to honor your parents because that's what the Bible commands us to do. Now, how do we honor our parents? Well, I believe we honor our parents in different ways at different stages in our life. Does that make sense? I mean, we don't honor our parents the same way all the time. For instance, when we're young and we're living at home, we honor our parents by obeying them and respecting them. And so if you're here and you live at home under your parents' roof, you honor your parents by obeying them and respecting them. This is what the Bible says in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents because God has placed them in authority over you. God gave you your parents as an authority in your life. In Leviticus 19, it says, Each of you must show a great deal of respect for your mother and your father. That's about as plain as it gets. What this means is that we are to do what our parents say when our parents say it with the right spirit. Now listen very carefully, young people. God has placed your parents in your life as his representative to teach you spiritual truth. And to disobey them is to disobey God. When you disobey your parents, you are disobeying God. You say, well, they're wrong. I don't care. You say, they don't know the, the right thing to do. I don't care. Your responsibility is to obey them as long as you are under their roof. Your responsibility is to respect them as long as you are under their roof. Now, as you get older and you move out of your home you, or their home, you honor and respect your parents by accepting them and appreciating them. You see, as we get older we begin to see our parents' faults and weaknesses. When we're little kids, we think our parents are perfect. And then we grow up and we realize our parents aren't perfect. Someone said it like this, up to age 10, a child thinks their parent knows everything. 
At 14, they're not so sure about their parents. At 19, we feel like we've surpassed our parents. At 22, we've completely outgrown our parents. At 30, we begin to remember that our parents were right about a lot of things. And at 40, we decide that our parents are pretty much perfect. And so we just kind of go through that stage. So what does it mean to accept and appreciate your parents? Well, it means you recognize what they have done. You understand the sacrifices that they have made because they love you. There are probably things that they do or say that are annoying to you and frustrating to you, but you accept it because they've earned the right. You appreciate their efforts. It's difficult raising kids. Teenagers, look at me. You're difficult. Now, you may not be as difficult as I was, but you're difficult. And your parents have put up with a lot raising you, and they've given up a lot. I read last night, last night, that recent figures, it takes $250,000 to get a child from birth to 17 years of age. $250,000 average, average. That means at minimum, at minimum, I could have banked a million bucks if I hadn't had kids. Gosh. We forget about those things, don't we? I heard about this dad who was, who was getting a family portrait made of his, of his family, and he told the person who was doing the portrait, he said, can we, can we paint this picture with my, with my kids' hands in my pockets? Because I want it to be natural. I want it to look real. Someone said a dad is a person who has pictures where their money used to be. Boy, that's so true. And oftentimes we forget how much our parents sacrifice to have us and to help us grow up and get to adulthood. So we need to appreciate them. And then finally, as our parents get older, we honor them by affirming them and not abandoning them. You see, as our parents get older, their affirming friends, they die. I mean, I mean, it's crazy how many of the, the people that my dad hung out with are, are no longer here. How many of his siblings have gone on before him? Same is true with my mom. And, and so the people that have been there affirming them through their life, they're not there anymore. So who's going to be here to affirm them? That's the responsibility we have as kids, but we also have a responsibility to meet their needs. We don't abandon them. We don't turn them over to the state, to the government. We have a responsibility. I got to tell you, my, my parents, they bathed me, they fed me, they clothed me. And I tell you, if there comes a point in the future 
where I have the responsibility to do the same for them, then I ought to do it joyfully. I ought to do it with a smile on my face. That's what Jesus was doing here. As he was about to die, he was not going to leave his mother uncared for. Joseph had died. We don't know where his brothers were at this stage, but Jesus was the oldest son. He had the responsibility to take care of his mother. And to his dying breath, he looked at John and said, John, I'm now turning it over to you. Make sure my mom is taken care of. Look at me, church. If you're a child of God, you have that responsibility. It may mean that you don't go on some vacations. It may mean that it may mean that you changes your plans. It may cost you some money. But your parents put out for you. It's time for us to put out for them. Amen. That's what Jesus is teaching here. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Did you get that? What that is saying is, as my parents get older, if I don't step up to the plate and take the responsibility to take care of them, God's Word says I am worse than an unbeliever. What would happen if we as the people of God would begin to step up to the plate and take care of our families like we're supposed to? So Jesus set an example. And the example is, as people who are followers of God, we have a responsibility to care for, to honor our family. But there's another truth here. And that is this, because of the cross... Our family is extended beyond those related through our blood to those related through the blood of Jesus. Let me say that again. Because of the cross, our family is extended beyond those related through our blood to those related through the blood of Jesus. You see, the deeper truth here is that the cross is intended to make family of us all. Did you get that? The deeper truth is that the cross is intended to make family of us all. Here's Jesus looking down at John, saying, this is your mother. And the Bible says, from that day, John took her into his home and took care of her. Tradition tells us that Mary lived for 11 more years after that day. And John never left Jerusalem on his preaching missions until Mary had passed away. He took that responsibility that seriously. You see, as followers of Jesus, we not only have a responsibility for those who we're related to by blood, we have a responsibility to those we are related to through the blood of Jesus. Wow. i got to tell you, over the last... Several weeks I've seen that interacted. Lori Morris is here. So good to see you, Lori. Lori um, had to say goodbye to the love of her life, Jonathan, this past week. But I was able to see this truth acted out 
in the life group that Lori is a part of. I mean, for the last several months, that life group has been there beside Lori and Jonathan every step of the way. As Jonathan began to get worse, they began to bring food. They would be over there visiting pretty much every day. As they were not able to care for Jonathan's mother, people in her life group would go over to her house and care for her. When Jonathan passed away and I got the news and, and got dressed and went to um, the hospice house where, where Jonathan's body was and Lori was there, the room was already filled with people from their life group who were there ministering and caring and loving. You see, that's what this means. This means when we get saved by the blood of Jesus, we're family. And we're to care for one another. And though emotionally we're all different, we have different needs. And though financially we're at different stages and relationally we have different needs and that goes without saying because we're all unique as part of the family of God we're to care for one another what would happen if we really began to do that what would the world say if all of a sudden Christians saw a need in a brother or sister and they had the, the ability to meet that need financially and they met that need. They had the ability to meet that need relationally and they met that need. They had the ability to meet that need emotionally and they met that need. What would happen if the world began watching us putting into practice the truth that was displayed on the cross, John, this is now your mother. You see, that's what we're supposed to do. That goes against the grain. I mean, goodness gracious, we live in such a selfish society and we all struggle with selfishness internally to the point that it's, it's even hard for us to give up for family, blood, much less others. And yet, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're called to do. And that's what the cross commands us to do. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the hand of the person sitting next to you, to your left, to your right. I want you to take their hand. Some of you are sitting next to blood family. Others of you are sitting next to people that are friends. Others of you are sitting next to people you don't know. But as you hold hands with the people next to you and you look over across the aisle to the people who are beside you that you're not holding hands to, I want you to recognize this is your family. As you look to the people in front of you, they are your family. As you look behind you, they are your family. They may look different than you. They may talk different than you. They may act different than you. But they're family. 
And we're supposed to treat people like family. So just hold their hand for a second, look around, and think, am I willing to move beyond where I've been and recognize that my responsibility is not only to those who, who I'm related to by blood, but my responsibility extends to those I'm related to through the blood of Jesus. And what am I willing to do to love them and care for them and support them and help them? I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. And I'm going to ask you just to take a moment or two and just pray for the people that are around you. You may not even know their names, but just pray for them. Intercede for them. Ask God to work in their life, to encourage, to comfort, to heal, whatever. Father God, forgive me. I can be so selfish. I recognize that when I'm talking to my parents, I recognize it when, Lord, I see people in need. Lord God, I want you to make me selfless. Father, I pray that you'll work in each of our hearts and make each of us selfless. Help us to recognize that we are related to every person in here who is a part of the family of God. We got brothers and sisters, some older, some younger, some we don't even know their name. We have an obligation to, a responsibility to. Lord, help us to take it seriously. Make us into a people that the world looks at and is amazed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.